Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Out Loud. I'm Adam Tour, PM at Merit Asset Management, and the title of today's episode is You're Gonna Do What? In this episode, I'll be focusing on what central bankers want, what's constraining them, what they'll likely get, and what are the implications for interest rate markets. To start, what central bankers want is to support the recovery in a way that avoids or limits any scarring of the economy. And by that, I mean limiting any long-term unemployment and limiting the number of businesses going under that if it were not for COVID, they'd still be viable. This makes sense, and they've been successfully pursuing this since March 2020. Unfortunately, they can't continue to pursue this goal with the same vigor because a risk is rising. What's the risk? Well, some of our listeners might have seen the aggressive moves in the UK gilt market, where interest rates rose in response to more hawkish rhetoric out of the Bank of England a couple weeks ago. The Bank of England governor recently gave a speech titled The Hard Yards. In it, he says, growth is slowed. It's likely to continue to slow. The economy continues to experience shocks. Inflation is rising, primarily due to things that are out of their control. For example, they can't make the wind blow harder. They can't source truck drivers, and they can't speed up the production of semiconductor chips. The only tool they have to fix the situation is to lower demand to match the constrained supply, which would be a painful adjustment and would risk scarring the economy. Now for the curious part. He goes on to say, but all the MPC is of the view they need to unwind and increase rates. To paraphrase, this will make things worse, but we all agree we need to do it. You're going to do what? It's an odd thing to say. It's odd because I've left out the part where he says they're worried about inflation expectations being impacted. This is the risk. And this is what's constraining central banks. Inflation expectations. So how should we... As investors think about inflation expectations. There's a 1997 Fed paper titled Inflation Regimes and Inflation Expectations. The gist of it is that inflation is either stationary, mean reverting, stable, which is what was experienced between 1954 and 1966 and 1984 through to today, or like from 1967 to 1983, inflation can be non-stationary, asymmetric, unstable, and that's not good for economies or markets. So obviously going into a non-stationary inflation regime would be bad, but how do you know if it's a risk worth considering? Well, there's another Fed paper from 1982 titled The Ends of the Four Big Inflations, in which they studied inflation regime changes. There are two big drivers for non-stationary or runaway inflation. The first is a dramatic change in the strategy of fiscal policy. Not an action like a one-off budget, but a fiscal strategy of persistently large budget deficits. And second, a rapid rise in high-powered money. In other words, money printing to finance those large deficits. In all the cases studied, it ends with a currency crisis that requires fiscal austerity, the enforcement of central bank independence, often with the establishment of a new central bank and sometimes a new currency. Do we have these conditions presently? I'd say kind of but we're in extraordinary times. The key question is, will the policies persist? Will they be the new strategy for managing the economy in more mundane times? Or was this a unique action for a unique set of circumstances? Our best guess is that for now, it was an action. But when we get to the next downturn in the economy, it'll start looking like the playbook. So we might not be there yet, but markets care about probabilities. And in this case, the probability of transitioning from a different inflation regime. There's no doubt that post-COVID, that transition probability is much higher than it was in February 2020. The higher the probability goes, 
the more people start to incorporate higher inflation into their business and investment decisions, and the more costly it will be to society to correct it if they wait too long, which is why central banks want to squash those thoughts before they take hold. They're saying we will act in response to rising inflation expectations. But what they're really saying is we don't really want to act. So please believe us that we will act so that we don't actually have to act. I'll say that again. We really don't want to act because that'll be painful for the economy and risk scarring. So please believe us that we will act so inflation expectations stay anchored so that we don't actually have to act. So we can continue to look through high inflation prints, support the recovery, and encourage a modestly steep yield curve. If they have credibility, they'll be able to gradually normalize policy and talk both sides. You might have noticed other members talking down rate hikes while others talk it up. That's their optimal outcome. But from a central banker's perspective, what are some of the suboptimal paths we might venture down? One obvious one is the yikes. We're that far behind the curve scenario. This is where the central banks have to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, to maintain credibility that inflation is actually still part of their mandates. Now, pickup in growth, a second win to job strength, and the core measures of inflation rising more aggressively would have more than a few central bankers up at night. In this environment, they'll have to raise rates more quickly, but curves should flatten because they're doing the right thing to maintain trust in the institution, even when it hurts, which is hard because it increases the likelihood of growth below potential. I believe this is a relevant scenario heading into next year. Alternatively, you could have the same environment, but central bankers dragging their feet. This should force curves steeper and encourage asset bubbles. Well, this is a less likely scenario to me. If you weigh these outcomes, we think we're transitioning from a mid-cycle lull to the beginnings of the late cycle, where we start to normalize by tightening policy. The key variable here is the pace of tightening. And because of the constraint of inflation expectations, what is required to maintain credibility might require hikes to be pulled forward and to be faster, which would likely be disruptive to asset markets. We'd expect a bias for flatter curves and some asset volatility. And finally, we also expect long-end rates to be higher, but to have a ceiling below what most would consider fair. And that's it for today's episode of Thinking Out Loud. Thanks for listening. This podcast is provided as a general source of information and should not be considered personal, legal, accounting, tax, or investment advice, or construed as an endorsement or recommendation of any entity or security discussed. Investors should seek the advice of professionals prior to implementing any changes to their investment. Certain statements in this podcast are forward-looking that are predictive in nature, depend upon, or refer to future events or conditions. Forward-looking statements are subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those set forth. Although the forward-looking statements contained herein are based upon what CI Global Asset Management and the Portfolio Manager believe to be reasonable assumptions, neither CI Global Asset Management nor the Portfolio Manager can assure that actual results will be consistent with these forward-looking statements. Certain statements contained in this podcast are based in whole or in part on information provided by third parties, and CI Global Asset Management has taken reasonable steps to ensure their accuracy. Market conditions may change, which may impact the information contained in this podcast. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the prospectus before investing.
The indicated rates of return are the historical annual compounded total returns, net of fees and expenses, payable by the fund, including changes in security value and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions, and do not take into account sales, redemption, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.